all citizens of the island nation of California must visit the zoo this summer. Oh, so sincerely, Roy H. Pomeroy. Ah, tremendous. I really ought to run this by a trusted friend before I mail it out. Five, 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 two, one, seven, nine. Turn down the hi-fi here. KRHB 105.1 FM. This is Henry. How may I help you? Henry Francis Tottenham. How are you today, sports champ? Uh, fine. Good to hear. Yep. Are the repairs going well? Uh, slowly, you know. This will cheer you up. Yeah? I just wrote a letter to the editor that'll knock your socks off. Yeah? Say, do you have time to listen to a draft? I mean, not really. What's up, Henry? I've got the transmitter array spread out on a blanket. It's in pieces. Why'd you go and pull the transmitter array apart? It was totally fried. I see. RF modulator took a hit. The oscillators are a total loss. Oh, not the oscillators. Roy, come on. You don't know what oscillators are. And please don't tell me. (sighs) The fuse box is blown. This place is real messed up, Roy. It's real messed up. Oh, dear. Timetable? I don't even know. Uh, damn it. Henry? I just over-tightened the screws on the ferrite shield. I stripped the threads. And I'm not sure we have any spares. This is bogus. At least you have not jammed the calibrator. And now the calibrator's jammed. Henry, set that calibrator gizmo down. Okay. What is it that I always say? An An overworked mind is like a dainty porcelain figurine. Prone to hairline cracks. I know, I know. If you don't take a break, you're going to turn into a digital robot. I just know it. Half the parts are on back order, and the other half of the parts aren't even made anymore. Forget the repairs today. I hereby order you to knock it off and be relaxed. That's easy for you to say. May relaxation be upon you. (laughs) Okay, Roy, uh, relaxation's upon me. Henry, look up. Okay. What do you see? Um, an eagle. Because? Because the roof is gone. And? Therefore, sky eagles are visible? You got that right, guild brother. I guess I am rolling a boulder up a hill here. Henry, I've given this some thought. What's that? We've discussed a mobile broadcasting setup. And remind me, what were your objections? Um, not enough outlets. Right. That was the big one. What if instead of broadcasting live, you could set me up with a tape recorder right here? Well... How many outlets would I need? Oh, for the tape recorder? Just one. I got that. Plus, you'd need one for a mixer and maybe one for a microphone preamplifier. Right. I'd say three spare outlets. I'm looking at three right now. Oh, okay. Could I plug my telephone into that mixer to record calls? Mm, I don't see why not. Now, any issues you see with producing stuff from my Atwater Village home? Well, it's a comfortable den, Roy, but it's not exactly a recording studio environment. Comfortable is an understatement. This place has dark wood paneling, seascape paintings, nautical stuff. It's got leather, Henry. And that's all really, really super nice, but there's other problems, Roy. Such as? Um, for one thing, it's not soundproofed, so noise. Just thinking out loud here, would it be possible to construct a small booth? A little soundproof pod? Like a vocal booth? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess. They're not very big. Room enough for a chair? A little shelf with a telephone? Yeah, they're usually about five by five. Estimated cost of construction, Henry, and spare no labor, because I want you to build this thing. <laughs> Me? Mm-hmm. If you're serious, I could build this for about 300 Island Nation of California dollars. You put that calibration gizmo aside and go to the hardware store. Get everything you need for a soundproof pod. Expense it to me personally. Okay. Or just tell the hardware guy it's for me, you know. <laughs> Send me the bill, I don't care. Well, he shouldn't make the payment.
payments off the books for tax purposes. No, 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 no. Bup, bup, bup. Well, I care not about the payment, Henry. Just get the stuff. Okay, I'll go today. How's your weekend? Looks good. Open. Can you come over? Uh, yeah. Well, I reckon it shouldn't take you more than half a Saturday huh. and a slice of Sunday to rig it up. We can build it in the big den. That's no problem. Sure. Okay. Where your desk is? We can put it in the corner. Isn't there a rack there? Well, I can move the coat rack, Henry. I only use it for my den jackets and my den coats. I would keep the rack there and move your desk. That whole corner is underutilized. I just read that most people only use about 10% of their dens. Oh, ridiculous. Get real. Yeah? It's more like 75%. Mm, maybe. It was an old magazine. Anyway, Henry, until the studio is back up for full broadcasting, why I can be podcasting from the confines of my soundproof tape recorder pod thing. Podcasting, yeah. I do believe I just invented podcasting here in 1982. Patent pending. The Roy H. Pomeroy Podcast. Henry, I'll make little tapes of this and that, you know? Cool. Whatever notions I happen across. My thoughts, adventures, mm -hmm. telephone calls, whatever suits the mute of the day. <laughs> mute? Yes. Mute. Are you serious? Suits the mute. <laughs> there's no way that there's anybody on this whole entire world that says mute. How do you say it? It's pronounced mood, mood, like a cow. I say mood. It rhymes with nude. Oh, for crying out loud. Roy, please. All right. So you record tapes from your pod, and then what? We end up banking like a whole shelf of tapes? Eureka. Then what? Then we take those tapes, Henry, and we can do as we please. So I'm trying to think here what we would use these tapes for. I guess they would be convenient for, like... When you or I have to call in sick. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. That's convenient. Broadcast them then. Mm -hmm. But more so, I think these tapes would be valuable content to, I don't know, farm out somehow, syndicate. Okay. Uh, mail order. Hey, yeah, like a subscription service. Hey, folks could subscribe to the Roy H. Pomeroy podcast. Radical. You see, Henry, I keep receiving telephone calls here at my Atwater Village home from all manner of kooks, cranks, and pranksters. Ah. Why waste it? Right, boss. I think you're really on to something here. Henry, you could even call in and do some stuff. I'm sure you could do some stuff. Wow, this is also... I don't know what to say. It's just... I think 1982 is going to be a good year. 82 is great, and it's all your fault. You're my helper. Yeah? You're my little engineer, buddy. <laughs> don't you forget that. I won't, Roy. Righteous indignation. Roy, I guess I gotta let you go, because I gotta get to the hardware store before it closes. All right. Fantastic. You need anything else? Uh, Kit Kat. A Kit Kat? Yes, break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Okay. Remember to lock up the studio for all the good it'll do. Okay. And don't forget to feed the coyote. Consider the coyote fed. We mustn't anger the coyote. Where can I dump all the, the lumber and stuff for the pod? Uh, dump it in the side yard. Okay. And for Saturday's lunch? Elizabeth will doubtless provide us with afternoon sandwiches. Oh, great. And perhaps a virgin pina colada to quench us? I like the sound of that, Roy. And we can sneak some booze in there. Okay, bye, Roy. Bye now. All right. I consider that matter put to rest. Henry is going places. That kid's got something special. Shame I didn't get the chance to read my letter to him. No matter. I'll simply read it to myself aloud, so that I might give this stamp its well-earned licking. Dear Editor of the LA Times, Last week I had a most curious day at the zoo. With my dear wife Elizabeth in Palm Springs visiting her sister, and my radio show in hiatus, it only seemed fitting that I wander among the caged creatures that are incarcerated at our wonderful municipal zoo. Although I knew that the recent purple storms were causing radio interference and also staffing shortages at places like zoos, restaurants, and even the places we worship stuff, I just had my mind set on a zoo day. 
and it was there that I soon found myself. Arriving at the zoo, I approached the ticket hut where an older man greeted me warmly. His hands, oh how they trembled as they gave me my change, his mustache a-quivering as he handed me my ticket stub, his eyes brows, why they furrowed as he stamped back my hands with a luminous series of arcane numerals in case I required re-entry. With a nod and a wink, he operated a lever which allowed me entrance to the grounds of the zoo. The grounds were serene, the air thick with the smell of animals. Inside the cages, many proved shy, but some areas were bursting with activity like the Hippo Pavilion or Bees, 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 a honeybee interactive exhibit. I did not enter Bees, Bees, Bees because, well, I hate bees. Always have, always will, and please and thank you know, I would not like any honey roasted peanuts today. It's just, uh, it's just one of those personal things. By 11 a.m., I was observing a sedate polar bear in the polar bear area through the bars when I became aware of a powerful sensation of hunger. Not the usual cravings nor the average rumbles, but a deep requirement for a hamburger sandwich, normally my go-to zoo meal. I looked around for a food cart, but could only find closed or locked carts. There was a soda pop drink machine, but every slot was stacked with comb cola a honey-sweet and soft drink whose insectine nectars I cannot abide. Now, I could have ventured all the way to Elephant Land to see if there was a snack place, but I'd expect it to be of a similar scene, and the long journey would have been doubled by my rising hamburger needs and a deep thirst. The sun began to be down, and although I fanned myself with my complimentary map of the zoo, the heat of the day seemed quite suddenly not to my pleasing. From inside his prison, a proud ape looked at me as if to say, Got any bananas? Yeah, ape. You and me both. And the 83 degrees of California Fahrenheit was an ill mixing with the musk of 1,000 hairy creatures. Remembering my hand stamp, I decided that I would leave the zoo temporarily. Find a lunch place, perhaps returning in the cool of the evening times. You know, fresh enough for the night zoo scene. Return feeling refreshed with my still valid hand stamp. So I approached the exit gate, expecting to be let out uh, immediately. No such luck. The old man was on the opposite side of his hut, admitting a group of 25 hyperactive children into the zoo. They all wore lime green colored t-shirts that said, you know, oh, this or that kind of a school for hyperactive children or what have you. Blocking my exit was a revolving gate some 10 feet tall. Locked closed, but operated via a lever from inside the zoo hut, where the old man, whose name is Clyde, was stationed. Uh, excuse me, old timer, I said several times, but he was stamping hands and making change, so I had a seat on a park bench near the exit, waiting for my opportunity. And when it came, I approached. Excuse me, old timer, I said again. I need to leave. But I fully intend to return to this wonderful zoo today, in the evening times, perhaps wearing a light blue, lightweight sports coat. Clyde seemed a little disoriented by my talk of returning, having to work both the ticketing entrance side of the hut and the goodbye exit side of the hut had scrambled this poor man's faculties. Clyde seemed to understand that I wanted out of the zoo, but he had things turned around in his ancient mind. He was trying to charge me a ticket to leave the zoo. Seventeen dollars? 
We argued and I explained, and every time I thought I had him on my side, he asked me to pay the $17 admission, and I tossed my hands up in frustration, having to start over. Clyde had total control over the lever that would unlock the revolving gate, and he was quite strong-willed for a man his age. When I tried to climb that gate, he yelled at me. Now, editor, you may be wondering about the hut. It's a small circular structure, well fortified, and I could not work out where the employee entrance was. Impenetrable, ideally defensible, a military miracle. I was defeated. Would I really have to pay to leave the zoo? And then it struck me. Perhaps Clyde was onto something. In all my zoo wanderings, I had thought I was on the right side of the bars and the enclosure railings. In control, touring the many flamingos and ocelots. But where did freedom begin? And on what side did I stand? The city of Los Angeles. A concrete zoo. And the animals, our masters? Serving some unknown giraffe in a system whose contours simply cannot be grasped? I searched Clyde's eyes for signs of zebra vision or bird control, but I found only mild confusion and a fixation on my last $17 I had in my pocket that day. Eventually, I paid the reverse admission. Clyde operated the lever and the gate rotated. $17 to visit the real world? Extortion? Or a bargain? I, I, I just didn't know. Was Clyde right? Is he, somehow, the last free man in a human zoo? Perhaps. Perhaps not. Either way, editor, I seek a full refund of my exit fee. This zoo, restaurant, and church staffing problem isn't just about the purple storms. Nope, we did this to ourselves. The longer we stay away from the zoo, the higher the weeds grow in the mulch near the ticket hut. Our zoo will not be fully staffed until such time as the crowds and admission revenue allow it. Clyde must be allowed to retire with dignity before he locks everyone in or out forever. And that's why all citizens of the island nation of California must visit the zoo this summer. Oh, so sincerely, Roy H. Pomeroy. P.S. Would it be too much trouble to remind your paper boys that my hedges are not for the delivery of my morning paper? Come on. P.P.S. I will be running for block captain again this fall, and I would appreciate the vote of anyone in the Atwater Village concerned about burglars. I recently learned that burglars are attracted to trees in front yards, and with the recent cinnamon tree craze, we must be extra cautious with our jewels, which we all store in a wall-mounted safe hidden behind a painting of a sea captain looking with a salty look of ocean determination towards the sea horizon. And, uh, P.P. P.S. Would anyone like a coat rack? Got some coats? Oh, coat rack for free. First come, first serve. It will be for the taking on the sidewalk. Oh, if you don't see the rack, it's gone. Forget it. You can pick that up outside my home. 3428 Atwater Avenue in the Atwater Village. All right. Time to lick a stamp.
The Roy H. Pomeroy Podcast is presented in living stereo. Henry is our producer and audio engineer. That's Henry Francis Tottenham. Music by the Sitdale Orchestra, the 101 Strings, and Keith Mansfield. Our editor is Ted Ellers. Want another take? Oh, how do you say it? I think it's Ehlers. Ehlers? Yeah. Ehlers. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll take that again. Okay. Our editor is Ted Ehlers. Great. Additional sound effects and music by Astro Spy. For the finest in far-out rock music, it's simply Astro Spy. Guest accommodations for the Roy H. Pomeroy podcast are provided by a hotel. Wardrobe by the Sears After Dark Collection. Copyright 1982. Great. And can I get a catchphrase? Magnificence. One more? Magnificence. Really give it the gas, Roy. All right. Hold on to your little hat. Okay. Complete and total magnificence. <laughs>